You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. How to dream, cowboys? Welcome to the first episode of the Westworld Podcast, Robot Movie Club. Today we're going to recap and review the 2004 film I, Robot, directed by Alex Proyas and starring Will Smith and Alan Tudyk. I'm James. And I'm Ryan. And this is the Westworld Podcast. So the first ten years of this millennia... Uh, we're called the, the aughts, right? Someone called them the oddies, the naughty oddies, right? I've never heard that in my entire life, but I'll take your word on it. Like 2000 aught two, you know? I mean, I assume that's what grandparents called it. And when I look back on it, I'll tell everybody, you know, in 2000 aught four, the milk cost, you know, some amount of money. I don't know how much milk cost back then. I'm going to have to look it up to be able to yell it at the children's who are on my lawn trespassing. But this movie is very much like an aught movie. Like, it's hardcore 2004. It has a lot of similarities to all of the other action movies that Will Smith has ever been in, especially during this era. I think it was most akin to Men in Black. There were some scenes that felt like if it was not a robot and if it was an alien, it would just be Men in Black. That's the thing. It's... it's Parts of it are, like, smart and well-written, and it's, like, a thoughtful science fiction movie, but then other parts of it are just, like, a cool, straight Will Smith action movie, and it's kind of like they smashed them together, but it doesn't always mesh that well throughout the whole movie. It's kind of like they took a brilliant idea by Isaac Asimov, and then were like, but we need also for Will Smith to be running. If this, if this movie isn't 50% Will Smith running and being cool, then why are people even showing up to the theater? And to be fair, James, they did make money on this movie. They spent like $100, $120 million on it, and they made over $300 million. There were talks of a sequel after it came out because it did so well. It did not actually end up happening, but this was a movie that did well in the box office. And as you said, like, there were moments where there were, like, breakthrough cool ideas. And I was like, ooh, that's a little like Robert. Or, ooh, that's a little like Bernie. But, yeah, it feels like Isaac Asimov had a really good foundation that every time they go back to it, they're like, you're like, ooh, that's a neat idea. Why is Will Smith running again? You can tell by some of the lines and some of the concepts in this movie that the writer, Jeff Vintar, is a good writer. And I think he got really close to writing, like, Maybe a classic movie, but I just imagine this movie was ripped to shreds in smoke-filled 
back rooms by ancient movie producers. He's like, nah, nah. If you want the people to come see the picture, you gotta have him run from explosions. Everything has to be exploding. Will Smith needs to say fun, quippy things as he's fighting robots that he shouldn't be able to beat. And for some reason, he keeps beating them that we won't tell you until three-fourths into the movie. But we will infer over and over again. And, like, did you notice that? Like, he had, like, a cool action movie line in pretty much every other scene. Yeah, and his he, he was really jokey. When nobody else was. He's the only man in the future who, who knows how to joke. Well, apparently he was the only man in the future who saw the robot uprising coming. Which is why, you know, scientist Alfred, Dr. Alfred, the, 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 the same guy who plays the newest Jurassic World. He plays the guy who was Richard Hammond's partner whom, spoiler alert, to I guess I won't spoil Jurassic World for you, but... He's the guy who like helped the DNA project in Jurassic World, and now in- well, yeah, he's James James Cromwell. is a character actor who's in like everything. Yeah, he's he's in a lot. So the movie starts out with a like bubbly underwater credit sequence where we get introduced to the three laws of robotics. This is one of the very few things taken from Isaac Asimov's book. Uh, one, a robot may not injure a human, or through inaction allow a human to come to harm. Two. A robot must obey orders given it to by human beings, except where such orders would conflict with the first law. And three, a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second law. So you got three laws, they're all important, but each law supersedes the law beneath it. Yeah, but you forgot the most important one, James. Law four. If it's super sweet, and it's like totally dope... Will Smith can do it, the robots can do it, they can all do whatever they want, as long as it's cool. Will Smith is having a bad dream about sinking cars and robots, and he wakes up, and we're introduced to the main character, Del Spooner. Weird name. Well, you know, I I, I believe in Del. And it, it's like, his name is Del, and in a movie that is chock full of references to brands that is not one of them weird yeah and it's funny that he hates robots when his name del spooner describes someone who lays in bed like with his arms around a dell computer is he the big spoon or the little spoon well i guess he's the big spoon i mean a dell they're not that big is dell still a company is it still around Yes, it's absolutely still a company. And also, I think it's a good enough company where you have to assume it might be the Big Spoon. Del Spooner, nickname Spoons. Spoony McGee. Wakes up and he plays music on his JVC boombox. He's old school. Puts on his Converse high tops. God, the first time they've mentioned Converse, we'll be keeping count. He's out his, just out the door when he runs into a FedEx-branded robot. He pushes the robot out of the way. We get the strange suspicion that he doesn't trust them. Nah, he just spoons them. Yeah, and he's the little spoon because he wants to be taken care of. He uh, arrives at his grandma's house where we find out that he has an an estranged ex-wife. And then he basically like just pitches Converse to his grandma. He's like, yeah, grandma, buy yourself some Converse high tops. 
they're the things that are going to turn your life around, Grandma. And maybe when you put them on, you'll stop berating me about my ex-wife who I'm not calling and you'll never get off my back about. On his way to see his grandma, he sees the USR Central Computer. There are advertisements all around. USR is the big monopolistic company that makes the robots. And they're coming out with a new robot very, very soon, the NS5. And it's going to take over and be the newest and best robot. And it's definitely not going to turn on everybody and kill all the people that it's possible that for them to murder they're going to murder them all yeah it's united states robotics and uh they're based in chicago for some reason and they're the biggest robot company in the world their popular uh household robot model the ns4 uh is about to be overtaken by the ns5 which is the sweet new robot with the they're all white and uh, they have well, like a. Of course a face they are, James. Of course they are. Well, the, the NS4 is like the he's like the the Nokia robot, and then the NS5 is like the Apple robot. Yeah, the NS4 is the Lenovo to the Alienware NS5. Will Smith meets up with Shia LaBeouf, who is inexplicably in this movie. He tells him to stop cursing, which reminds me of the Eminem lyric, like, Will Smith doesn't need to rap to sell records. Well, I do. So blank him and blank you too, Shia LaBeouf. Why is he in this movie? Yeah, and basically it's established that Shia LaBeouf is like a horny kid and that he swears too much. That is his whole character. (laughs) <laughs> and and that's all we see of him uh, for the next two hours. We'll see him again in two hours. I just had to look up his name. His name in the movie is Farber. That's how much I didn't know. I never actually picked up his name. Also, I'd like to point out, he is exactly playing his character from Constantine, except for he's in the movie less, does less all overall. Like, he is almost nothing to the plot. It makes no sense for him to be in this movie. Walking down the street, Spoons thinks he sees a robot running away with someone's purse, so he chases it down and jumps over an overpass like he did in Man in Black, right. and he, he grabs the robot, and uh, the robot, just as he get, gets tackled, he's able to give an inhaler to his owner, who then berates Spoons for getting in the way of her helpful robot. Running in his trusty Converse so he can go really fast. You'd assume that there are so many running scenes in this movie just because they had to allude to the fact that his Converse makes him run faster. Like, this is the... You know, it's actually the 25th anniversary of Sandlot, so that's slightly... (laughs) I guess that's slightly interesting and relevant to this moment. So, the CGI quality is, like, really inconsistent in this movie. There are times when it looks pretty good, especially because it's 2004, and there's other times where it looks like a PlayStation 1 game. And, uh, it's, it's not... It's... It's, like, it's only really bad for, like, a few seconds at a time, and then when they know they're gonna put, like, a long shot on a robot, they make it good. So this is kind of lazy. I mean, to be fair... I didn't really notice it being specifically bad. There there were the moments where Will Smith is like running through things that are exploding. It's very obvious he's running on a green screen. But I mean, there are parts of The Hobbit that I felt were that bad as well. And that came years and years later. It, it felt like they were putting a lot of work into the NS5s. The robots that Alan Tudyuk would eventually play the titular Sonny of. But, you know... Any any of the other robots, they were like, uh, John, could you go to the basement and make another robot? 
You spend about two days. That's all we're giving you. Good luck. So Spoons is a cop, and he arrives at his precinct where his co-workers are teasing him for tackling that robot, and he's a big robot hater, which they all think is a big joke. But we'll find out later it's like very serious, tragic thing that happened to him, and they're all making fun of his like deep trauma. But uh, for now, uh, we don't know that. We just think he's an asshole who hates robots. Yeah, whatever. Suck it up, Spoony. Don't worry about your tragic past that informs your entire future and present, to be frank with you. Lieutenant John Bergen, played by Chi McBride. Chi McBride, whom I just watched uh, Gone in 60 Seconds last week. He was great in that movie. He was also in Boston Public. He's in a whole lot of things. And Chi McBride makes the point to him, like, how many times... Has a robot stolen a person? How many times has a robot done a crime? Zero times, Spoonies, Spoonburger, Spoon Dog Millionaire. Okay? So lay off the robots, dude. I know you have a past with them, but they literally never do anything wrong. And he's like, yeah, but maybe. Maybe they will. He gets a phone call and he has to rush over to the USR headquarters which is like the tallest building in chicago in 2035 2035 by the way not that far in the future to have all this crazy robot shit happening i think they undershot that one yeah no for sure they did and i have to go back and look at the skyline and see if the sears tower is there or if perhaps the usr building was just like became like grew out of the sears tower like a transformer so uh when he gets there he's talking to a um hologram of the victim the victim is alfred lanning the inventor of robots and uh the murder victim played by james cromwell as we mentioned who i like from uh six feet under he was in the later seasons of that show will smith drove an audi over to the usr building yes yeah, a future audi yeah a future audi r8 and audi and converse i would say are the two most prominent brands in iRobot, and they are pushed hard. Yeah, Will Smith is expensive, alright? You gotta pay that money somehow. Right, was he a $20 million movie back then in 2004? Was he already that? Back then, he was hot shit. I mean, he was one of the kings of science fiction, actually. He made a lot of good sci-fi movies, just like Tom Cruise did. And, And then, he made the fatal mistake of, like, working with M. Night Shyamalan. And his career never really recovered. Oh, that was Will Smith's fatal mistake? Not picking Wild Wild West over the Matrix? That wasn't it? I mean, he's made a lot of goofy mistakes, but he's no longer a big earner anymore. And you don't really see him in a lot. If he's in Suicide Squad, that was also a bad one. Well, to be fair, he is jumping over the Grand Canyon out of a helicopter next month on his birthday that, uh, that Tom Cruise is piloting. Nice. Yeah, when you hear that, you're like, I don't even care if he doesn't do movies anymore. I think he's doing a movie right now. In fact, I know he is because I just watched the YouTube video where he was like, I'm jumping out of a helicopter. I can't do it right now because I'm in contract for a movie and I don't like to get out of contract. My lawyers would be like, don't do that. So I'm not gonna jump out of a helicopter. Tom Cruise, you're driving the helicopter. Let's do it. Yeah. Oh, and they're doing it over the Grand Canyon. They had to ask the Native Americans for special permission to do so. So Dr. Alfred Lanning uh, appears to have committed suicide by jumping out of the window of his, like, 25th floor laboratory, but it's all very suspicious, especially considering the timing, 
seeing as how the company, USR, is about to release its latest line of NS5 robots. So USR does not want this to get out because and does not want this to be a big deal and overshadow their new product launch. Alfred Lanning is pretty much like the Bernard of this story, while the other guy, whose name is Lawrence, he's the CEO, also known as the richest man on earth, is kind of like Robert Ford if he didn't have Delos to deal with and could have just taken all the money for himself. Yeah, he meets with Lawrence Robertson in his office, they agree that the suicide was sudden and unexpected. Robertson thinks it's a cut-and-dry case, but Spoons doesn't believe it. Spoons makes it clear uh, that he hates USR and all the robots that it makes. Robertson seems pretty shocked by this behavior, but says that he won't do anything to hinder the investigation. Yeah, Spoonies comes in hard, doesn't he? He becomes contentious very quickly. In the elevator, Spoons meets the female lead of the movie, Susan Calvin, Dr. Susan Calvin, corporate psychologist, played by Bridget Moynihan, uh, who is from Coyote Ugly, and then I like her in the um, Nick Cage movie, Lord of War, which was a drama around the same time. I'm just trying to figure out where I know her from. Oh, she plays John Wick's wife that dies... You know, and right before John Wick's life goes poorly once more. But I feel like I know her from somewhere else. She's in Coyote Ugly. Um, I also saw her in Battle of Los Angeles. I watched Battle of Los Angeles two weeks ago and she was in that. So it could be from there. She actually looks a lot like the girl from Men in Black 1 that is in the, that is where all the dead aliens are and has the cat. So she looks a lot like her, and I was like, I, I feel like they're just using the same person over and over again. They're not. It, they just look similar. It's fine. Spoons tries to joke with Dr. Calvin, but uh, in the future, nobody jokes but him. This, this is weird, because, like, she's playing as if she, like, grew up in the movie Demolition Man, and uh, he's playing as if it's, like, 2004. So they're a weird couple. Well, listen, opposites attract. <laughs> That's right. Together, they try to access the surveillance footage. The entire building is monitored by Lanning's original creation, a high-tech AI named Vicky, who is also tasked with running safety and logistics for the whole city of Chicago. They try to watch the feed from Lanning's room, but they can't access it. It's The data is corrupted. By the way, this is all happening as the NS5s are about to be product launched, making every human one to five to the robots so one human to every five robots that's a lot of robots which is crazy like i mean they don't just do consumer like household stuff they also like they do construction and shit and deliveries so they're also worker robots in the next scene they go visit alfred lanning's lab as they enter will smith's character spoonies Asks Susan basically what's going on. Susan says a long diatribe full of big words to let everyone know that she's very smart. And then predictably, Will Smith is like, English please, scientist lady. And she's like, oh, well, I make robots more like humans. And he obviously reacts to that in a way of, why? They're surprised when an NS5 robot jumps out at them and knocks down spoons and uh, says... What am I? Before leaping through a pane glass window and falling to the ground, uh, he does the superhero land on one knee, 
and then he runs away. Right prior to the robot jumping out after Spoony is suspicious that, you know, obviously it had he thinks that it could have been a murder that Lanning was thrown out of the window because Spoony even takes like a chair and smashes it against the window. He's like, you know, this is safety glass, right? Which is so, it's actually weird because I sell safety glass at my company. It's laminate that you put on glass that makes it only shatter. Like it shatters inside the laminate, but it will actually never shatter all the way through. Like I hit it with hammers for presentations all the time and it never breaks. So his point is something had to get put through this glass really, really hard for it to actually get thrown all the way down. In that moment, he also finds a book, Hansel and Gretel. He's like, huh, I wonder if that will ever come up again. They chase the robot to a warehouse full of NS5s and Spoons is able to reveal the robot's location when he starts killing the stationary NS5s. The robot tries to escape the warehouse, but he gets caught by a SWAT team, which Spoons had called in earlier. At the warehouse, Spoons recognizes that there are no human beings in the building. It's robots building robots. He says, uh, robots building robots. Now that's just stupid. Which I was like, I bet Will Smith came to set that day and he was like, I got a golden one for you. Yeah, he improved all these lines. Probably. I have no doubt in my mind that he did. After the police apprehend the robot, Spoons talks his way into being able to interrogate the robot like it's a suspect. He finds out the robot has a name, Sonny, and it's not an assembly line NS5. It was built by Dr. Lanning specifically, and it has, like, seems to have emotions. Sonny calls Dr. Lanning his father and says that he has dreams. Spoons is unimpressed by all this. He keeps saying that Sonny committed the murder, and Sonny lashes out in anger and smashes the table, and uh, all the guards in the room point their guns at him. So Will Smith's character, Spoons, shouldn't be allowed to be questioning Sonny in the first place. Chi McBride, Lieutenant John Burgeon, was like, he's a can opener. He's not a suspect. Why are you asking him questions? But he gave him his five minutes anyway. And right before he goes in, the way he got in there, he was like, yeah, but what if I'm right, Chi McBride? And then Lieutenant Burgeon goes, then I'll just miss the old days. The good old days when people were killed by just other people. Sonny reveals that Dr. Lanning had made him keep an important promise that he had to follow because he loved him. Sonny, by the way, best performance in the movie. Uh, by Alan Tudyk, who is an old hat at playing robots. He also played Vamax in Big Hero 6, and he also played K2SO in Rogue One. He did the motion capture and the voice for Sonny the Robot in iRobot, and I agree with you 100%. You can, like, you can feel everything he's saying, and you can, like, it's like watching a condensed version of the maze except for Sonny has already gone through so much of it with Alfred Lanning to begin with that now he's being used in this uh, as a pawn in this game that uh, that Alfred Lanning has set up for him and he and Alfred his father is just hoping that he performs the way that he hopes that he raised his what he believes to be his son oh I should also say he's played another robot he played Dutch in Transformers 2 
That's less important. If Dutch was a robot, I'm not going to look into that. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> it might be a person. person. It might be a person who's named <laughs> Dutch. I am not going to click again and find out. Lawrence Robertson and his USR lawyers arrive and demand that Sonny be turned over to them for destruction because he's not a suspect because robots can't commit murder and he's their intellectual property and if they start spreading rumors about killer robots before they're launched, he's going to get them all sued and he's even got the mayor in his back pocket and so Lieutenant Bergen's hands are tied and he has to give Sonny away. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, Spoonie's like, call the mayor, Bergen, and Lawrence is like, oh, there just so happens to be a mayor on the phone. It's the mayor of uh, of uh, Kansas City, but uh, I'm not going to say that because this is a bluff. Yeah, still valuable. Still talk to him. He's going to be talking about the robots, how he's totally fine with them, and that I'm taking mine. Bye. At the bar that night, Spoons is drowning his sorrows. Lieutenant Bergen comes in to discuss the case. He implores Spoons to just drop the whole thing. And he, he, say, he makes a comment to him like, yeah, I mean, what are the odds, you know, like that that you, the guy who fucking hates robots, gets put on the robot case. And then Spoons is like, holy shit, you're right. I've totally been chosen specifically for this job. I can't give up. Also, as a side note, aren't these converse great? Yeah, that's literally the last line of the scene. Hey, Spoons, what? Nice shoes. Thanks, they make me run fast from all the robots you don't believe are attacking me. Spoons drives his his future car to Lanning's house. When he arrives, there's a big demolition robot poised to destroy the house at 8 a.m. in the morning. In Lanning's office, he finds a video of Lanning discussing the ghost in the machine, and he also finds Lanning's kitty cat, who has been a guest in the mansion all day by himself. Sad. His Lanning lives alone, no family. Uh, no robots live there either, I guess. No, and all I want to know, and all I want to ship, is Sonny and the cat. We never got to see the cat and Sonny together, living in harmony. Yeah, he's going to spoon with the cat. Nicely. He will not squeeze too hard. He's been taught right. Suddenly, the construction robot begins destroying the mansion, with spoons inside. He's just barely able to escape, and he rescues the cat, too. This action scene was kind of weird looking because it was a mix of CGI and practical effects and they didn't like blend them together that well. No, the green screen was really bad. He was holding a cat the entire time, which just made it weird. Like, funny, but weird. And then at the end, he rides a door off an explosion out the front of the house like a skateboard while it's demoed at the end and the demolition machine turns off and he looks at the cat and he's like, you and me, kitty. (laughs) And I was like, okay, well, one, you know, who made that demo machine turn to 8 p.m. when it was 8 a.m.? And two, oh, man, he rode that thing like a skateboard. Michael J. Fox, back to the future. He's so cool. Spoons heads to Dr. Calvin's house and she doesn't believe him. He questions her about what the ghost in the machine means. And apparently it's a theory that Lanning had. That as robots become more and more complicated, they would eventually achieve sentience on their own as a byproduct of their increased thought processing ability. A little different from Westworld, where the reveries needed to be forced upon the robots to kind of get them kickstarted. The violent delights have violent ends. Virus needed to be spread. Lanning says in this moment, like, it will just kind of happen. It'll happen. Spoons tells Dr. Calvin his theory 
that CEO Robertson was holding Lanning hostage to work on something against his will. She rejects that theory as nothing more than his anti-robot paranoia, and he accuses her of being a robot lover, more so than humans, because she herself is cold and unfeeling, and so she throws him out of her house. He also finds out that she has a personal NS5 that is doing its daily upgrade as we speak with the red light on in his chest. And he's like, yeah, I'm not going to talk around the robot that I'm pretty sure is connected to the whole thing. It feels very, I'm, this robot is listening to me. And that's creepy. I'm going to leave now. Have fun with your robot that might try to kill you. Yeah, he also, he tries to give the cat to her. He's like, I have a cat in my trunk. And I'm like, what the fuck, Will Smith? You put the cat in the trunk? Yeah. Well, cat can't, 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 can't live in the trunk. That's not where cats belong. Bring the cat home. Have a new cat friend, Will Smith. Have some compassion. Put the cat in the cabin of the car. Don't put him in the fucking trunk. That's not humane. That's fucked up. What if there's a bed back there? Okay. Yeah, maybe future trucks trunks are really nice. Yeah, exactly. It's like a luxury cat hotel, and you're totally naysaying it. I doubt it is. I bet it's a regular trunk, and that cat was real scared. How dare you, Spoons? How dare you? The next day, the NS5s are released with a special offer for those who trade in their older model NS4s. This is kind of a sad scene to me. Like, the cute, clunky NS4s are just, like, being taken away from their owners, and they, like, they actually look, like, a little bit sad, and the NS5s come in, and, you know, they're like the Nazis of robots. They're, like, all white, un- uninteresting-looking robots, and... But the people are happy. Grandma gets uh, her own robot, which she shows to Spoons the next day at breakfast. And then she offers her condolences because she heard about Lanning's death. And she mentions that she'll always be grateful to Lanning for saving Spoons' life. The grandma had the NS5, and I was like, oh, no, grandma. She The, the, the grandma was using the NS5 to, to cook the pies with her. And she was like, oh, you like that pie you're trying? Yeah. The robot made it. What do you think of robots now? That would have been funny if in that moment he was like, mm, I'm sold. Done. Yeah, it's a little fucked up, isn't it? It's like, oh, do you like that pie you're eating? Uh, my vegan friend? Well, guess what? I made it with milk and eggs. <laughs> it's like the Scott Tennerman pie is the is the end of that spectrum. And the beginning of that spectrum is, oh, do you hate robots? Well, it made that pie and you liked it. So that means ipso facto, you like robots. Have fun questioning the entire sense of your reality. Back at the precinct, Spoons is watching more of Lanning's speeches in which Lanning predicts, you know, one day robots will have personalities and secrets and dreams. Lieutenant Bergen walks by eating a hot, fresh Domino's pizza. <laughs> was he wearing Converse? Probably. He, he bought his own pair after that night at the bar. It's odd. The pizza doesn't even have breadcrumbs from Hansel and Gretel that they keep implying is a part of this, and that Spoonie is trying to to find. But I, I guess if you if you need a if you need a hot slice, you go on to your local Domino's, open to 11 p.m. Order online. At USR, Calvin, Doctor Calvin examines Sunny, who asks her if she'll be able to fix him. And says that if so, he would prefer to be fixed than to die, which was a sad scene. Super sad. He knows he's going to be disassembled Johnny Five if anyone is, uh, if anyone likes the movie Short Circuit as much as I do and watched it in the early 90s over and over again. He does not want to be disassembled Johnny Five. And I get it, Sonny. Dying sounds not neat. 
Spoons calls the AI Vicky and asks for some classified data on Dr. Lanning and the NS5 development. And immediately, Nick Vicky narks on him to Robertson. Well, I mean, I think Robertson is the only one who could, like, give those exact files up to anyone who wants to see them. So Vicky comes up and he's like, hey, Lawrence, do you, uh, do you want Spoonies to get able to, like, see these hidden files? And... You know, before Lawrence, we or before we even get to see if Lawrence says yes or no, it doesn't really matter because some robots roll up on Will Smith, dude. Yeah, two trucks filled with NS5s box in Spoon's car, which is like the only car on the road in the whole movie. And the robots begin leaping from the truck onto his car to try to smash the windshield and grab at him and kill him. He's able to lose them, but in doing so, he flips his car over and crashes it. After the crash, uh, the USR, like, cleaning robots clean all the debris and cover the whole thing up, and so there's no evidence that he was attacked. As he's about to be attacked, he has another cool guy line that he definitely improved, where he's like, there's no way my luck is about to be this bad. And then I really do like that as the robots with the red in their chests, the NS5s, who are being aggressive, jumping out and trying to kill him. As they're doing it, they're, like, saying things passive-aggressively to him, like, you're experiencing a car accident. Yeah, they don't have the words to be like, we're here to kill you. They're like, let us assist you. Let us assist you in your swift and unending death. When Spoons climbs out of the wreckage, he is attacked by a one-armed surviving NS5. He's able to fight the robot off thanks to his own just now revealed robotic arm. What? Yeah. The robot's like swinging a pipe at him and he's blocking it with his just his arm and it scratches some of his skin off and he has like a Terminator arm under there. And it's a funny part where like when the robot sees that the robot's like taken aback. He's like, <gasps> huh? Oh my! Right. You're also one of us! One of us. One of us. And this is also how you have to assume that Spoonie has any relationship with Dr. Alfred Lanning, a guy who has done robot things, and Will Smith has a robot arm, so probably stands to reason that Lanning gave him that robot arm. See, the other robot runs away uh, as soon as the police roll up. And kills himself, purposely. He's basically like a cyanide spy. Uh, when the police get there, they think that this is just, like, a drunk driving accident. They don't believe his story. Lieutenant Bergen basically tells him to turn in his badge and gun. He asked him where his gun was, and he was like, yeah, I don't know. He's like, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, right. That, the, okay, uh, I'm gonna ignore the fact that you said that, and you can bring the gun by tomorrow. Yeah, bring that tomorrow, but leave the badge with me now. That's not great. As Will Smith is walking away, he leans in a dude's face and screams, Do I look like I give a shit what you think? And I was like, you were saying not cussing to Shia LaBeouf earlier, whom, by the way, we have not seen since. Yeah, so I mean, there's there's some, there's some half-baked elements to this story. It's like a murder mystery, but then it's also like, you know, Will Smith's like being gaslit where he you know he's he's like the only one who's not crazy but everyone thinks he's crazy um that's why he's like ah there's no way i'm this unlucky because 
that's what Dr. Calvin and Robertson are just like, nah, man, you just, you're unlucky and you happen to be around broken robots when they go berserk. And other than that, there's nothing wrong. Right. But you do get really good pie. So just like, get over it. Dr. Calvin discovers that Sonny is not connected to the USR network and that his robot exoskeleton has been reinforced with extra and stronger alloys and that he also has a secondary CPU, which is not bound by the three laws. It's like dinosaurs who have butt brains, except for Sonny has another brain, but in his chest where his heart would be. She shares this information with Spoons at his house and they plan to return to USR headquarters to question Sonny further. This is right after Spoon is spray-painting his arm back to good health, however that works, and then she walks in right afterwards, and he's still walking around with his shirt off because he's ripped and jacked and cool, and she sees his arm and is like, I have questions. Yes, Dr. Calvin examines his robot arm and recognizes it as the work of Dr. Lanning. Spoons has had a large portion of the left side of his body replaced with cyborg parts after a tragic accident. A bunch of ribs, his entire left arm, his left lung, I believe, as well. He said at a fun line, he said, uh, donor cards now say what you can put back in as well. And this leads to Spoony basically giving his entire backstory. Yeah, and actually... um. Well, we'll get into it, but I should say, like, Will Smith does, like, act the fuck out of this scene. And he's this is a really well-acted scene where he's telling the story. So basically, years ago, a truck driver falls asleep at the wheel, and it takes Will Smith's car and a car full of a family with children, and they go off of a bridge and into the water, and they're sinking and they're going to die. An NS4 robot, the clunky ones, walks by and sees this, jumps in to save them, And instead of saving the little girl, he saves Will Smith because he has these three laws in his mind that he's got to save humans at any cost. And he judges Will Smith as more likely to survive than the girl. He will remember that 12-year-old girl's face forever, Will Smith will. Her name was Sarah. He's wearing her necklace somehow. She wanted to be a dentist. I don't know how he knew that at all, but he did. The truck smashed uh, the car's window and pushed them into the river. The NS4 saved Spoonie. He assessed both Sarah and Spoonie's likelihood to live, gave Spoonie 48% while he gave Sarah 11 So he took Spoonie out, and Spoonie makes the argument that a human being would have known to save the girl and that 11% is quite enough when that is someone's daughter. But that all seems, I mean, with the, it seems logical the way he described the what the robot did. It's just like a real bummer that Sarah's dead. Yeah, Will Smith, he's, there's a lot of emotion when he's telling this story. And he really sells it. But the story itself doesn't make any damn sense. Throughout the whole movie, they're talking about how, like, it's so weird that Will Smith drives the car himself instead of just letting itself drive. And that everyone just lets their car self-drive. And so the story of the truck driver falling asleep at the wheel doesn't make sense. Because Will Smith should feel like if that was if that truck was being driven by a robot, this wouldn't have happened in the first place. Right. But I mean it it, it should have been being driven by a robot anyway. 
Like, why was the dude, if the, if the truck is self-driving, like all the cars are in the future, why was the truck driver from the story, like, why was he driving while he was sleepy anyway? Why was he, why was there a human in the truck? <laughs> if all the other cars are just driving themselves, if the NS5 trucks don't have a driver. Because Spoonie needs a tragic backstory, James. So on the way to USR, Spoonie proposes a theory that Lanning had hid clues to this conspiracy inside Sony in the form of his dreams. When they get there and they question Sonny about this, Sonny draws a sketch of his dream. It shows a leader standing on a hill under a decrepit bridge with a bunch of followers below him. And Sonny basically says, like, you need to find this place because in my dream, that's you standing there. It is claimed that Lawrence is trying to undo the last stuff that Alfred was doing right before he died. Lawrence, when they go and meet him again, says that he was disturbed and he didn't know what he was doing. He also lets Susan know that Spoonie is suspended because he was a in a drunk driving accident. Or, I mean, the audience knows better, but, you know, Susan doesn't. And also, he hurts robots all the time. Why are you even hanging around when, with this kind of person? To which Susan turns around and goes, is, is this true? And Spoonie's like, uh, I don't know. Do you want coffee? <laughs> Robertson implores Dr. Calvin to see the truth of the situation, that Lanning's death was an unfortunate suicide, that Spoons is just a paranoid bigot, and that if they if they let this continue and that if they don't destroy Sonny... It's going to jeopardize everything that the two of them and their company has achieved. Right. So Susan decides, okay, fine. Sonny has to die. I'll do it myself. And Spoonie is disappointed generally. Later on, Dr. C apologizes to Sonny and is about to inject his positronic brain. This is another thing they took from iRobot. This is basically like a synthesized brain for robots that functions mostly like a human brain. She's going to inject it with these nanites, which will erase everything. Before she does, Sonny, really sadly, he's like, is it going to hurt? And she takes his hand. She lifts Sonny up onto a gurney, and Robertson watches as she decommissions Sonny. As this is happening, it's like cutting between scenes of spoons finding that desecrated bridge and the crowd of people below him is actually the NS4s and Dr. Lanning's speech about Ghost in the Machine is playing over. And it was, it was actually a really nice way to end act two, I thought. Yeah, it was actually really great. And, you know, Spoons riding to the Lake Michigan site where all of the retired robots are, the NS4s are, and him coming up onto the hill and... And, and and being in the picture that Sonny very recently drew was so, so cool to see. The bridge in the background looked gay. And this is another example of, like, this scene looked amazing. Why did four other scenes look so weird? Yeah, why is a third of this movie well-written and the rest isn't? What happened? And a third of this movie has great special effects and the other two-thirds is like, yeah, no, no, we'll... We'll finish that at the... Oh, we're done? Well, send it. Yeah, Spooner arrives at Lake Michigan and recognizes it as the landscape from Sonny's drawing. 
He activates Lanning's hologram again and poses it some new questions, including why would you build a robot that was beyond three laws? The hologram tells him that a strict adherence to the three laws will eventually lead to a robot revolution. We don't know why yet, though. So Spooner then discovers the NS5 robots are on the scene attacking and dismantling all of the NS4 robots who are fighting back, but there's just way too many NS5s. This is a sad scene, because uh, I like the NS4s. The NS5s try to attack and kill Spoons, and he's able to escape because the NS4s are sacrificing themselves to protect him. One of the NS4s grabs him by the leg and actually says, Run! And I was like, oh my god! That is so nice of these robots. They're being so very protective of Spoonie. Also, he's running again in his converse. As the robot takeover begins, the police and the public are all being attacked and held hostage by NS5 robots. The police station is totally stormed. And Shia LaBeouf is told to go into his house. And he's like, I don't want to go into my house. And so the robot knocks him to the ground. Oh, God, I was hoping the same thing that would happen in Constantine would happen to Shia LaBeouf in this movie. I had already watched it in the past, so I knew it wasn't going to happen. But I was like, ah, oh, man, I wish that Shia LaBeouf, who we hadn't seen for the last hour and a half, gets totally stabbed. Grandma is told to wait indoors. She's like, I guess it's not all about pies anymore. It's more about tyranny. Spoons rescues Dr. Calvin from her apartment where she's being held there by her own NS5. Told you so, bruh. Meanwhile, on the street, Shia LaBeouf is leading an army of rioting humans to attack the NS5s. It goes poorly because the robots are stronger and faster. Yeah, and this is the worst sequence in the movie. A robot has got his arms like around Shia LaBeouf's throat. And so (laughs) Spoons... Rides his motorcycle off of a ramp, jumps off of the motorcycle, and is, like, shooting guns in both hands, like, ah! As he flies slow motion through the air. Yeah. So stupid. And it's the dumbest shot in the movie. He's the Will Smith going off, and then in slow mo, like, is real? Is he gonna shoot the robots while in the air on the motorcycle? Really? Yep. And that was a bad, that was dumb. It was dumb, and then he lands, and Shia LaBeouf says some swear words, and he's like, stop swearing. I'm the only one who can swear, because only spoons swear. You're a fork. Get off me. One of the robots starts to fight back, and just as it's about to attack spoons, Dr. Calvin takes it out with a machine gun. Shia points out that she was just shooting with her eyes closed, and Spoonie turns to her like, hey, did you just shoot at me with your eyes closed? And she was like, well, it worked, didn't it? And he was like, that, yeah, that doesn't matter. That it, The fact that it worked was a, a nice side bonus. Please do not shoot at me with your eyes closed. Yeah, so, th- I mean, not all the jokes land. This scene wasn't that funny. Shia LaBeouf's not good in this movie. And this is his last scene. He was only in about 10 minutes of the movie. And what was the point? What, why did they pay to have Shia LaBeouf to not have him do anything? He puts butts in the seats, James. Yeah, I guess it's like, oh, how are we going to get teenage girls to see this movie? Okay, Shia LaBeouf. Let's put the boof in. He's a sex symbol. Everyone knows that. This was during, like, the shitty part of Shia LaBeouf's career. Like, this is between, like, it's after Holes, but, like, before Wall Street. This is, like, during his shitty, shitty movie era. So... 
Calvin and Spoons head to USR headquarters where they reunite with Sonny, who was not killed because Calvin switched him out at the last minute for another NS5 so she could trick Robertson. The USR building is being set up as our third act action movie kill box, the place where either all the bad people die or the good people die. They still think that Robertson is behind the conspiracy, so they head to his office, but they find that he has been killed by the NS5s as well. If he didn't do it, James, then who did? So Spooner puts it all together. The robots are being controlled by the AI, Vicky. And they confront Vicky, and she tells them that following the three laws, she has concluded that humans will harm other humans. And so if she really wants to follow the very first law of robotics, that she needs to control human behavior by taking control of the world, and in this way she can fully protect humans from harm. Lanning picked Spoony specifically to do all of this because he knew that Spoony hated robots and would assume correctly that a robot was the one who was doing all of these bad things. And as Spoony mentions, it was a robot, he just picked the wrong one. It was Vicky, the robot in the wall, the robot who was connected to everything and could, you know, dispatch a bunch of robots into a tunnel whenever they wanted, while Lawrence was just standing there hoping and wishing that the detective would stop asking for his paperwork as the NS5 launch was happening. Vicky was like, yeah, Lawrence, do you want to have him have that paperwork? Also, I'm not telling you, but behind the scenes, I'm also sending robots to murder him. I'm cheeky. That's right. So Lanning uh, used his own death as a way to get the message out to Spoons to warn him about the coming robot apocalypse. Vicky was keeping Lanning as a prisoner, and so Lanning took the only other way out, which was he killed himself and then left a message for Spoony to follow the breadcrumbs like Hansel and Gretel. Stupid plan, though. Ridiculously dumb plan. Not a great plan, but it worked out just like when Calvin, Dr. Calvin, sprayed a bunch of bullets with her eyes closed. It just happened to work out. That makes a good movie, right? Like, Lanning could have just given that hologram, that same breadcrumbs hologram. First of all, he could have just said explicitly what he wanted to say. Put that on the hologram, given it to Sonny, had Sonny jump out the window like he did in the first act and run to Will Smith's house and give him the hologram. And he wouldn't have had to die. Listen, this way, Will Smith gets to run a bunch in his Converse, gets to drive a bunch in his R8, and gets a Domino's pizza on the fly order open till 11. So Vicky explains her logic to Sonny, and in another really dumb sequence, Sonny pretends to turn traitor for like five seconds okay, so that he can but, do the wink. Yeah, but it references the wink from earlier, James. So come on. Yeah, so he winks at Will Smith in a callback to the to Act 1, and then they, they shoot all the NS5's robots. It was, it was really pointless. So Vicky is very... 2001 a space odyssey right i mean like every i think it's the robot in the wall that every robot in the wall has to be compared to yeah i hate this kind of villain it's well it's like the red queen from the resident evil movie it's a lame villain it's like yeah i'm a bodiless ai in a wall 
It's like if Olmec from Power Rangers was the villain. Wait. Olmec is from Legends of the Hidden Temple. Who am I thinking of? Zordon. Uh... Zordon, yeah, that's right. How dare I get Olmec and Zordon? I have to. I'm gonna punch myself in my own face. Spoons and Calvin head to Vicky's core, which is suspended at the very top of the USR building, while Sonny goes to retrieve the nanites, which they'll use to kill her. He's able to use his reinforced skeleton to reach through the force field and grab the syringe, and. Uh, he realizes at this point, like, oh, I was built specifically to kill Vicky. I'm the Vicky killer. Yeah, Lanning gave me a strong arm. Vicky unleashes her army of NS5 robots to stop them, and we have a big action scene with the robots and the fighting and the shooting. At the end... You you just described that like Bill Cosby would have. With the robots <laughs> and the fighting and the shooting. Pudding pop. Sonny defies utilitarian logic by choosing to save Dr. Calvin instead of killing Vicky, and in doing so drops the syringe, but it's okay, because Spoons dives, jumps into the air, grabs the syringe in his right hand, and then uses his robot left hand to, like, brace his impact, which, like, fucks it up and gets it all ruined. But it's cool. It's almost like Sonny's arm was built to reach and in and get the nanites, and Spoonie's arm was made to ride down Vicky's long tube like a fireman pole. And when he gets down to his her brain, he injects the nanites in it, and it destroys Vicky. And and Vicky screams like ah! And I'm like, would a robot do that? I don't know. Bernie did it as he threw the gun away. Immediately, every NS5 robot in the city, like, drops what they're doing, stops accosting the humans, and starts saying, like, is there anything I can help you with? (laughs) As the sun rises on a new day, the military is rounding up all the NS5s and taking them away. Spoons gets Sonny to confirm his final theory that Vicky was not the one who killed Lanning, and that it actually was Sonny after all. And Sonny says, yeah... Dr. Lanning made me promise to do something for him before telling me that that thing was to kill him. And so I had no choice. And Spoons is like, well, guess what, kid? You get off scot-free because you're not a person. Robots can't kill. Another callback to the first act when a line was like, you know, the DA defines murder as a person murdering a person. So robots have nothing to do with this. They can't even be charged with murder. And Lawrence said something to that effect earlier in the in the in the first act it didn't go well for him in the third act i'd argue okay so like if a chuck e cheese robot like fucking ripped the head off of a kid five nights at freddy style you would not put the robot on trial sure but you would destroy it i mean yeah i would put it through some sort of some sort of maze obviously to see if it is at (laughs) all conscious and then, like, you know, if it's if it's cool, maybe I would let it kill me in a Western-style theme park. Sonny tells Spoons that he wants to be able to help the other NS5 robots in some way. And Spoons tells him that, you know, since he is a person, it's his prerogative what he wants to do with the rest of his life. Very bicentennial, man. He asks Sonny does. Alan Tudyuk's brilliantly acted Sonny asks if Spoonie and him... Our friends. Sonny goes to the Lake Michigan holding center where all the NS5s are being kept. 
and standing atop the hill, just like the dream that he had, he sees all the decommissioned robots turning to him as his leader, and that's the end of the movie. He is the dream! He will lead them! Yeah, he's the one true Morty. <laughs> he is the one. He's the one that Will Smith could never have been because he said yes to Wild Wild West and no to the Matrix. What are you thinking? So all in all, this is like a solid B, B minus movie. Not not as good as I remembered it from when I was a freshman in high school, uh, but not as bad as I expected it to be either. No, there were some really great parts, but I think it can be summed up in this one sentence, this movie. Whoa, 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 whoa. Why is Shia LaBeouf here? Yeah, pointless. Uh, yeah, I feel like... So this movie was originally supposed to be called Hardwired, and it was only rebranded as iRobot as a marketing decision. So it so a large parts of it, just like obviously not based off the actual iRobot by Isaac Asimov, it was just kind of stolen until they called it that? Oh, oh, yeah. They just took the name and the idea of the three laws and some of the character names as well. And actually, I've never seen this credit in another movie. You know, most of the time you'll say, like, based on whatever book you're ripping off. This is suggested by. Which, that is a... First of all, that's a weird credit that I've never seen before. And secondly, like... It doesn't make any sense. Like the, the move, the book I Robot suggested the creation of this movie. Yes, it became sentient, like a robot itself, and told the producer that they had to make it in a dream when he was standing under the Brooklyn Bridge. Wait, not Brooklyn, Chicago. Oh, why is it in Chicago? Uh, this is a, a surprisingly sparse movie. It's only got twenty actors with lines in the whole movie. And I guess everyone else is an extra. Well, how are you going to have more actors when one of them is in mocap and the other is a $20 million action movie star? Right. So what? what's shocking to me, I looked this up because I was like, you know, this movie only came out a little bit before Minority Report. And Minority Report is like such a much better movie in every way. Actually, Minority Report came out two years before this movie. And it just like it looks better. It's it's way more interesting. It's it's got a better story and better dialogue. So I don't know. I wish instead of this this nobody director Alex Proyas directing iRobot, I wish he directed had, The Crow. So yeah. back it up, buddy. I wish they had gotten a talented director wow. to direct Hardwired, which might have been better. Okay, so you've just renamed it. Okay, so who is who is it? It's not Will Smith. Who is it? Leonardo DiCaprio in Hardwired. It makes it good for you. <laughs> I, I I don't know. Alex Proyas is a shit director, dude. He's terrible. Well, uh, uh, um, tell us how you feel. He made Gods of Egypt in 2016, which was a piece of shit movie. I don't know what that That's is. That's the one where like. All it's it's like an ancient Egypt like pantheon of god movies where all the Egyptian gods are white people, and then he made the fucking horrible 2009 Nick Cage end of the world disaster movie Knowing, which was a piece of shit. I haven't seen any of these movies, so, but I have seen The Crow, and someone died in that movie for real. Yeah, so basically, I Robot is the best movie he's ever directed, where someone didn't um, die. Yeah, well, I'd say I don't. I don't think the crow is a good movie. Sorry, how dare you? That's a hot take. How? No, that is that is the coldest of takes. 
There is only one Highlander <laughs> movie, and The Crow is great, and Waterworld is also good. And I, I do not, I am above the naysay. You can't see me, but I'm like, I'm floating above this microphone right now. It's nuts. But, you know, I still like iRobot. Not enough that, like, I'll probably ever watch it again, but there's there's some good stuff in there. Yeah, I'll watch it on, like, a flight if I'm going to Australia and I'm on a, I'm on a, flight for 24 hours i'll watch it in between i don't know armageddon and sling blade yeah so james you got to pick this one you got to pick this movie and because we, oh, we yeah. flipped it we flipped a coin the fates were fair and and uh-huh. you picked the irobot and you said you were picking a bad movie but it, as it turns out it was a little bad but it was almost a little good but this time, yeah. I get to pick the movie, and I'm very excited about my pick, James. I'm very excited. Do you know what it is? Well, all right. No, I don't know. Well, that was my too long of a tease so that I could figure out what it is during the time where I was doing the talking. But next week... Right, I'm going to start I'm gonna start making some guesses in my head. It's Wally. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, I should have got there. Okay. You know what? You know what? Uh, confession time. You hate Wally, don't you? I've never, I've never seen one. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of my favorite Pixar films. Definitely top five Pixar films for me. Actually, it's top three, as well. So, it, and and we can rank Pixar movies if if we'd like to. It's it's an age old conversation. But I love Wally, so I'm really looking forward to watching it again. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited to see it for the first time. I'm kind of like uh, I'm not a big fan of Pixar, to be honest. Why are you um, the? I'm are more, you a cold-hearted I'm, devil? I'm more of a Disney Studios CGI movie kind of guy. Wow, you're. I mean, it, it, how pretentious can you be? <laughs> I know, right? I, know, I just. I happen to think like you know, Big Hero Six and Moana and Frozen are better than most of the Pixar movies. All right, it's just my opinion. You know what? Can't we like everything? Can't we like all of them, James? Right. Yeah. And I'm telling you. Yeah, liking things, it's not a zero-sum game, all right? You can like all the things. You can like pretty much anything you choose. We have free will, unlike the robots, and although Ro- Robert Ford sen- tends to think otherwise. James, we got a new patron this week. We should read all these patrons. They're being so nice. Yeah, well, thanks for listening. If you're just listening, that's great. means a lot to us. If you want to go the extra mile, you can follow us on Twitter, at WestworldRyan. You can follow us on SoundCloud. If you want to contact us, you can tweet anything you want at us, or you can send us an email, thewestworldpodcast at gmail.com. If you really want to support the show, because this is a labor of love, Ryan and I pay for all the hosting fees ourselves. If you want to help offset that cost, you can find us on Patreon, the Westworld Podcast, if... You feel like you can support us in that way. We want to shout out all of our Patreon patrons. Yep, there's got Bacaman, John Jures, Major Woody, Richard Hunter, and Carol. Thank you very, very much for giving us your hard-earned cash and dollars. We really like doing this podcast and you're helping us out. Our SoundCloud premium just renewed and y'all are helpful. Thanks to all of you. Um, the more supporters to get, the more content we can make, the higher quality we can make it. You may, listeners, have noticed that, that Ryan's audio 
quality is a bit better than mine. It's because he's got a better mic than me. But if we ever had enough patrons, that would definitely go towards production upgrades. Yeah, getting James a better mic because I am a future man from space with this wonderful microphone that I use for I use all the fans behind me to make ostensibly worse. So join us in two weeks for a recap and review of Pixar's Wall-E. Well, it's going to be two weeks from now. Oh, that, that, didn't we do the Western Movie Club every two weeks? Oh yeah. Okay, now do you do the James part? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm James, and I'm Ryan. And this is the Westworld Podcast.